Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Liz Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning how to hack our circadian rhythms for more energy and better sleep, getting proven strategies to get out of a slump, or diving into how to drink less without feeling bored, judged, or stressed. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. Welcome to the very first episode of 2024. That feels crazy to say. I hope you had an amazing holiday and hopefully a nice little break. I missed you all. I thought it would be fun to kick off 2024 by sharing all of my favorite science for creating your best year yet. We're going to get into motivation tips, how to know what goals you want to go after and what habits you want to add in how to have the energy to go after those goals, which is a huge part of the equation that not enough people talk about, and then my best tips for actually implementing habits and overcoming the hurdles that come with that. We're going to go broad and zoom out, and we're going to get really granular and into the nitty-gritty. This episode is jam-packed with information. Basically, I asked myself what every single thing I could think of, every bit of science, everything I have ever learned or had success with, Every single thing that I possibly have in my arsenal to help you move toward a life that feels as good as possible this year, and I put it into this hour. If, as you're listening, anything stands out or is especially helpful, definitely screenshot and tag me. I am at Liz Moody on Instagram. I would also love to hear what your goals end up being after listening so I can cheer you on. Okay. Let's get right into it. I want to kick off this episode with some science that's very appropriate for this time of year, which is that New Year's actually is a great time to form new habits and go after new goals. Dr. Katie Milkman is a behavior change expert from Wharton, and she's a past podcast guest, and I talk about her in the book. And from her research, she's coined what she calls the fresh start effect, which is the idea that we have more energy and motivation to go after goals at these fresh start moments in our lives. Fresh starts are moments that psychologically separate our past self from our present self. For example, your past self might not have been a person who exercised regularly, but you are no longer that person. So as we are entering this new year, your brain is like, oh, I am no longer the person that I was last year. And it gives you a far greater sense of possibility and excitement for the future, which will increase your results. It's why we have the instinct to make resolutions and goals in the new year, and I personally love it as a bit of science because I think there's been a tendency in the media lately to hate on New Year's resolutions, to say they're silly or they don't work. And obviously, there are a lot of other things that make new habits stick, many of which we will get into in this episode. But I just want to kick it off by saying New Year's is actually a great time to reflect, to reevaluate, and to commit to the changes that you want to see in your life. So I hope that's booing. That said, it is not the only time, and I think that's incredibly important to share as well. We have natural fresh starts all the time. Uh, Monday is a fresh start. The first day of a new month is a fresh start. You can also create fresh starts. One of my favorite examples of this is buying a new book. You are no longer the person you were before you bought the book because now you are armed with all of this new information. I definitely feel that. I feel that energy. I feel that sensation of possibility when I dive into the pages of new nonfiction. 
I talked about this more in the How to Get Out of a Slump episode, which I highly recommend if you're feeling stuck or down as we enter the new year. But in general, I would love for you to, first of all, feel very encouraged and excited about setting and going after goals at this time of the year. And also know that if you want to combine fresh starts and amplify their impact, it's a great time to pick up any new books that you've been excited about or dive into podcast episodes. I also want to talk about how this relates to James Clear's research on habit formation. He's the author of Atomic Habits, which has been a New York Times bestseller for years now and has sold something like 15 million copies. But one of the key takeaways in that book is that true behavior change is identity change. So instead of saying, what habits do I want to have? You're asking yourself, who do I want to be? And then you're integrating the habits of that person. And then you're making those habits part of your new identity. So you're saying to yourself, I'm a person who eats food that makes me feel good. Instead of saying, I'm going to eat more vegetables. Or if you want to read more, you don't just think, I want to read more books. You identify as a reader or as a gym goer, or as a person who makes plans and socializes, or as a writer, or whatever your goal may be. That identity component makes it significantly easier for our habits to stick. I find this especially compelling when combined with the Katie Milkman research about fresh starts, because the fresh start concept is all about these natural moments where we shed one identity and create the space for a new one. So you have the space to take on the identity of the habits you want, as James Clear suggests, which can yield incredibly powerful results. I'll get into some more James Clear tactics later, but before we get into the details of habits and goals themselves, I want to talk about something that not enough people talk about when it comes to this kind of stuff, which is energy. If you're trying to implement new habits and goals and you're starved of energy, of course those habits aren't going to stick. It actually makes me so sad to think about people walking around feeling so depleted and then feeling like they have to add in this thing or that thing to create the life they want. It's like being in the middle of a marathon and deciding that now is the time to create a budget or clean your house. You're sweaty, you're exhausted, and of course the idea of picking up a vacuum or opening an Excel spreadsheet sounds overwhelming. You're tired. You need rest. It sounds crazy, but it's essentially what so many of us are doing to ourselves when we dive into our New Year's goals. We're trying to make change from a place where we're exhausted, which will make that change feel impossible and so, so discouraging. With that in mind, I would love to dive into some of my favorite tips for increasing our energy levels, which will in turn increase your ability to create the life that you want. Getting our energy back is laying the foundation for the habits and the goals that we want to go after, and these are a few of my favorite energy tips. I'd be remiss to not start with my beloved Cirque Walks. The concept is simple. Just taking a brief walk outside as close to when you wake up and the sun comes up as possible. The impact is huge, though. Cirque stands for circadian rhythm, and this brief exposure to morning light is the most impactful thing that you can do to regulate your circadian rhythm. This matters because almost every single cell in your body contains a circadian clock, and regulating that clock properly impacts things like our sleep, our metabolism, our immune function, our DNA repair, our inflammatory responses. Our microbiome runs on a circadian clock. So this single action of getting outside, of getting sunlight in your eyes, it tells the entire system 
all of those little clocks what time it is, which enables them to function optimally. This one thing is going to impact your energy in so many ways. Your metabolic processes impact energy, which we'll get to more in a second. Your microbiome and ability to actually take in and utilize nutrients from your food massively impacts energy. And of course, your sleep impacts your energy. And seeing the sunlight early in the day will make it easier to fall asleep and improve the quality of your sleep. I have a whole Circwalk FAQ in my book and in my Instagram story highlights, but I really encourage you not to overthink it. That's another thing that happens when we're talking about habits and goals. We try to dive into the nitty-gritty. Is this exact specific thing better or is this? When in truth, we should just do it. Some is almost always better than none. 15 to 30 minutes of outside light is optimal, but two minutes of outside light is better than no outside light. Being truly outside is optimal, but sitting by a window is better than sitting far from a window in a darker room. If you want my ideal prescription, it would be 20 minutes outside with no sunglasses on. Prescription glasses and contacts are fine if they don't block UV. You're not staring directly into the sun, but you are letting the light flood your eyes as close to when you wake up and the sun comes up as possible. So I wake up around 8 usually, and the sun is up by then, so I just go outside as soon as I can after I wake up. But if you wake up at 5 and it's dark out, just wait till the sun is up and do it then. And then the walk part makes it enjoyable. It wakes your brain up, it gets your blood moving, and it adds on additional benefits, but it's also not necessary. Do not let perfect be the enemy of good. So our circwalks will help regulate our circadian rhythm, which will have a massive positive impact on sleep. This, by the way, this will not start the first day that you do them, but rather the day after. Things that we do that impact our circadian rhythm show up the following day, which is why we can often make it through the day that we fly or the day that we pull an all-nighter, but we experience the negative impacts of that the following day. But sleep is a key part of the energy equation, and the first step to getting good sleep is recognizing its importance. I've personally been very guilty of falling into these cycles where I revenge scroll at bedtime. I tell myself I'm so wiped out, this is my only time for me. But by doing that, I'm negatively impacting my sleep, which is setting me up to have a far worse day the next day. So I'm not really doing it for me. I'm actually acting against myself under the guise of something for me. The difference I feel when I read a book to fall asleep and I scroll to fall asleep is massive. I truly wake up feeling like a different person when I read a book. I'll have a big smile on my face. I'll feel less groggy and less of just a general sense of ick. And I'll be like, hmm, I wonder why. And it's because I have read at night instead of scrolled. I haven't bombarded my brain with social media candy. I've nurtured it with the rich, satisfying meal that is a book. I've likely fallen asleep way faster. I've gotten more overall sleep, and I'm far less likely to have consumed something that would cause me stress or anxiety, which also can cause micro disruptions in sleep. I will say, though, one fun tip from episode 208 of the podcast, which is called Solving All of Your Sleep Problems with insomnia expert Dr. Jade Wu is that if you are going to be on your phone at night, you can somewhat counter that by getting more bright light and outdoor light during the day. Your brain registers the contrast, so the bigger the contrast between how much light you get during the day and how much light you get that night, the better. So if you are going to be on your phone at night, 
Take your micro walks outside during the day. Sit in the sun on your stoop. Do not skip your circ walk, and that'll help counteract the negative effects. I also think the vast majority of us are keeping our bedrooms too hot. Studies show 65 degrees Fahrenheit is ideal for most people for sleep, and many of us keep our bedrooms much hotter than that. Our core temperature needs to drop to initiate sleep, which is also why a hot shower can help because your body will cool itself down afterward, which can create that drop. I sleep light years better in a cool room than a warmer one. When in doubt, go colder and have extra blankets at the foot of your bed you can layer on if need be, which I also personally like because it gives a weighted blanket effect that I find incredibly calming. The next thing that I want to talk about for energy is our metabolic health because our metabolism and our energy levels are intricately connected. We do a way deeper dive into our metabolic health in episode 151 of the podcast, which is called Ask the Doctor Metabolism Edition, how blood sugar impacts weight, hormones, disease, and more, and how to optimize it with Dr. Casey Means. But at its core, our metabolism involves converting food into the energy that we need for everything that our body does. This is how our brain is powered. This is how we think well. This is how we go for walks. This is how we repair our cells so damaged cells don't turn into things like cancer. So on this very deep level, having good metabolic health is impacting our energy. But, and this is fascinating, it is also impacting our energy on an acute level. When our blood sugar spikes and subsequently plummets, we feel first jittery and then super depleted. This is why many of us have that 3 p.m. slump. It's because we've eaten a non-metabolically optimized lunch, experienced the spike, and then at 3, we are crashing and ready for a nap. I do a few really simple, small things to keep my metabolic health as optimal as possible without stressing out about it too much. The first is adding in protein, fat, and fiber to every meal. So anytime I'm looking at my plate, I'm thinking, how can I add some veggies to this? Because veggies are an incredible source of fiber. Maybe I'm adding some nuts or seeds, which both have protein and healthy fat. Maybe some animal protein, maybe some eggs, maybe an avocado. Everything I eat, I'm just sussing out those core components. Does it have fat, fiber, and protein? And then I'm trying to add whatever I need to make sure that I'm hitting all three. Last January, I hosted a series on the pod called The Health Effects of Alcohol that was so, so informative. We learned a lot together, and ever since, I've considered myself an intentional drinker. I'm not sober, but that drink needs to really add to my experience for me to choose to have it. If that sounds intriguing to you, Athletic Brewing Company makes it so easy to give dry a try. Here's a pro tip for trying out intentional drinking. It's not all or nothing. You can have a glass of champagne to celebrate your bestie's birthday and then switch over to something equally as fun and delicious like a non-alcoholic beer for the rest of the night with no hangover or downsides. Another pro tip, if you're giving dry a try this January, it's way easier when you're sipping something with award-winning taste like athletic brewing. Athletic has so many craft brews from IPAs, extra dark brews, sours, hazies, and many more. Zach is a total beer guy. Like He goes to breweries, he does tastings, and he loves athletic brewing. The Run Wild IPA is Zach's favorite. He says it's the perfect, crisp, refreshing IPA. It's hearty without being heavy. He especially likes having one as a post-run reward. And I love the Wits Peak, which is a Belgian-style white beer. It's full of flavor, and the taste is perfect for the chilly weather. This January, give Dry a try with Athletic Brewing Co. 
Order online at athleticbrewing.com or find them at a store or bar nearby. Pro tip, use my code LizM at checkout to get 15% off your first online order. They have a ton of fun flavors online, including the Wits Peak that I mentioned that you cannot get in stores. So use code L-I-Z-M at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. I'm always looking for easy ways to uplevel my life, and matcha is such a good one. Dr. William Lee calls out matcha in the What to Eat to Live Longer episode as a chlorogenic acid-rich food packed with longevity and brain health benefits. Ever since then, I've been drinking peak sun goddess matcha. I am a low-caffeine girly, but sun goddess matcha doesn't make me feel jittery or anxious at all, which is a miracle, really. The L-theanine is actually helpful for anxiety, and peak contains 35% more than other matchas. And Peak's matcha is quadruple toxin screened for pesticides, heavy metals, toxic mold, and radioactive isotopes, which is so important. I love Peak's full line of teas. You do not need a strainer to make them, but they also don't come in bags. Once you think about the fact that you're basically brewing glue in paper tea bags or plastic in the sachets in boiling water with your tea, it's really hard to go back to using them. Peak's teas are like little crystals that just dissolve directly when mixed into hot or cold water, and they have a ton of amazing flavors and both caffeinated and herbal blends. I also highly recommend Peak's Radiant Skin Duo, which includes their matcha and their BT Fountain, which are these little electrolyte packets that contain clinically proven ceramides to keep skin hydrated and improve elasticity while replenishing electrolytes and making water taste so delicious. Peak is currently offering an exclusive discount plus two bonus gifts for the Liz Moody podcast listeners for a limited time only. You can get 15% off plus a rechargeable frother, which I use for everything I drink. Even electrolytes are better when mixed with a frother. And a cup if you go to peaklife.com slash Liz Moody. Get everything you need for radiant skin by going to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Liz Moody. Try it for yourself risk-free with their 90-day happiness guarantee. You either love it or you get your money back. There are two other things that I do for my metabolic health on a daily basis, and that is weight training and micro walks, and particularly getting in a micro walk or some movement after meals. Let's start there. Moving after meals helps activate your muscles, which serve as glucose sinks, meaning they utilize that glucose that's responsible for the blood sugar spikes that we just talked about, thus minimizing the crashes. Literally any muscle activation helps. You can do a few squats, which is my bare minimum that I do pretty much every single time that I eat. But my favorite thing is going for a walk because it's just a lovely little break. You're helping your metabolic health, but you're also building these little pauses into your day, moments of pleasure and little reminders that productivity isn't the sole or even main reason we woke up and are alive today. And then weight training is going after the same result. Because muscles act as glucose sponges, more muscles will soak up more glucose, making anything that you do to build muscle an amazing part of optimizing your metabolism. I do proper weight workouts twice a week. I am currently doing the Peloton app ones at home. I just have a set of those Nordic track adjustable weights, which go up to 50 pounds each. And then I also love the sculpt body weight workouts a few times a week as well. For that, I do the Sculpt Society, which I absolutely adore and I highly recommend. But 
anything to help build muscle will give you more of those glucose sponges. So you can just drop and do some push-ups. Or Dr. Hood and Dr. Price talked about on the Future of Healthcare episode, keeping resistance bands at their desks at work to sneak in mini workouts. Anything that builds more muscle will help with that blood sugar optimization, which will help increase energy. Another part of increasing energy that we do not talk about enough is setting boundaries. It can be very sobering and very informative to just sit down with a pen and paper and write down the things that are draining your energy the most. Often these don't correspond at all with the things actually taking the most of our time. In fact, it doesn't have to be something that's taking up time at all. It can be a phone call you're dreading making, a bunch of niggly tasks sitting in the back of your mind, an argument you had with your partner. Work can also be a huge energy drain, and while a lot of the ways it drains us are out of our control, more than we think are often in our control. So, so many of us, myself very much included, push ourselves to do tasks simply to have them done when we could be optimizing our to-do list, really questioning what's urgent and what could wait for another day. We could be setting firm boundaries when we answer emails. And if you say, but my boss will be mad at me, my colleagues will be annoyed, I would first ask, have you tried it? What proof do you have that that's true? And if it is true, if to have your colleagues or your boss's respect, you need to be showing off that you're working to the point of exhaustion, you have to answer emails at 8 at night, I would ask if that workplace is a good fit. We spend so much of our lives at work, and while I know we need to make money and you can't just go out and conjure a dream job, we can certainly apply. We cannot be the one saying no to ourselves, and we can let the jobs we apply to say no to us. We can let bosses say no to us when we ask for better boundaries, when we say, I would love to skip that big meeting so I can spend time on my presentation without having to stay late. If we get no's from the world, great. That is information we can use to adjust and decide our next steps. But so, so often in the workplace, we're giving ourselves no's and we're creating work lives that are destroying the rest of our lives. So start by just writing down, where are the big energy sucks in your life? And then truly ask yourself, if you did have the power to take action to change that, what action would you take? Not Do you have the power? Because I don't want to hear about everything out of your control. But if I absolutely asked you to come up with something that's in your power to create change around that energy drain, what would it be? A few more quick and dirty energy boosters, and then we will dive into a specific plan for the new year. Hydration. There is a lot of research about how much more tired we feel when we're dehydrated, so whatever you can do to be drinking water and eating water-rich foods throughout the day is ideal for energy. I love herbal tea. I also love adding electrolytes to my water, and I'll sip on that throughout the day because the minerals in it help with actually hydrating the cells in our body. I love element, but a pinch of mineral salt is great too. Stress management. Stress is such a huge sapper of energy, especially that low-grade stress that just lives in the background of so many of our day-to-day lives. We did an entire episode on stress with Dr. Alyssa Eppel, which I highly recommend, and I will link it in the show notes. It's episode 209 called Relieve Stress Now, Science to Feel Calmer and Happier. But I will share my two major takeaways regarding stress from that episode and from other research that I've done. 
The first came in the episode when I asked Dr. Eppel if there was one common stressor that we could easily get rid of with a simple practice or mindset shift. And she said that in study after study, the most stressful thing in people's day was time stress. Rushing, running late and being stuck in traffic, having too much to do and not enough time to do it. And I am so, so guilty of this. I joke and I say that I have a time abundance mindset, but really that just means that I try to fit in way too much every single day and end up running late and, to Dr. Apple's point, feeling a little bit stressed a lot of the time. Since the episode, I've been trying to actively create more spaciousness in my day. If I see it takes 20 minutes to get to a friend's house, instead of leaving exactly 20 minutes and then being stressed because planning 20 minutes means I'll actually leave the house with 15 minutes, then inevitably I'll be stressed at red lights, all of those things. So instead of that, I will leave 30 minutes. I've been looking at my to-do list and asking what on this list truly needs to get done today and what could wait till tomorrow? What could wait till next week? There is no prize for checking everything off your to-do list. In fact, usually the prize is just another round of things on the to-do list. I've just been looking for those moments where I'm creating this extra stress of time pressure on top of my already stressful days, and it's been an immensely helpful practice. The second big takeaway is that we all need some sort of built-in stress relief in our lives, and we need to treat that practice like it's as important to our health as eating well, as working out, because it truly is. For me, every single day, I either do meditation or yoga nidra, and I've really, really tried to commit to that as I've gained a better understanding of the importance of having ways to siphon off that stress in our brains and the huge impact that has on our physical and mental health. The yoga nidra, or I'll also do non-sleep deep rest, which is a similar concept, is the gold standard. And I usually just do that on Insight Timer, on Spotify or YouTube or the open app. There are lots of options if you search around and many are free and you can just find one that works for you. And after I do a session, I truly feel like I have restarted my brain. Like if I were a computer, I completely shut it down and I closed all the weird tabs and I started again with a clean slate. It is the freshest, best feeling. But if I do not have time for that, I will do between 5 and 20 minutes of meditation, either something guided or to a sound bath that I pull up on one of those apps that I mentioned. And then if I don't have time for that, I do a few rounds of breath work, like four rounds of box breathing, which is just breathing in for four counts, holding for four counts, breathing out for four counts, and holding for four counts. By having a menu of options that fit into different time intervals in my life, I'm never left in a situation where I'm too busy and I skip a stress-relieving practice altogether, which is something that used to happen a lot. But this way, it's not, do I do it, but how much time do I have? What are my needs today? Which of my stress-relieving practices should I do? Those are my key practices for energy, which, again, is so, so critical for laying the foundation to create the rest of the habits and go after the rest of the goals that you want, whatever those may be. It is the place to start no matter where you want to go next. But now let's get into the specifics about those habits and goals. My favorite place to start here is with my regrets from the previous year. Dan Pink is the author of The Power of Regret, and he was a guest on this podcast, and one of his number one findings is that regret can be a powerful force for good in our lives, 
if we use it properly. Regret is some of the most useful information that we have. By diving into our regrets, we can figure out what changes we want to make to have the future of our dreams. I personally love to get out a piece of paper and make a list of my biggest regrets from the last year. I brain dump it first, and nothing is too little or too big, and then I go through the list with as critical of an eye as possible, and I ask myself, how can I use these regrets to inform the things I prioritize and the choices that I make in the coming year? A simple example that Dan used when we talked was, if one of his biggest regrets from the last year was not going to the gym, he was going to make going to the gym a big priority in the coming year. For instance, for me, one of my biggest regrets for last year is how overworked I was and how burnt out I felt. So when I look at that, I think a few things. One, that I need to figure out a way to scale back on work, which is actually such a helpful, pragmatic reminder because my brain is always trying to add in new projects the second one project is over. And this way I can be like, no, you need spaciousness. You want to have a rich, full life where you do things outside of work. You don't always have to be adding in more. And that can even factor into my goals for the coming year. Instead of making big work goals, maybe I should make more goals in my personal life. Maybe I shouldn't say, oh, I want to get this many podcast downloads, but instead I want to build a community in our new home in the Bay Area. I want to prioritize things that are the antidote to that feeling of burnout. I want to prioritize play I want to make a standing weekly social date like a group dinner or a trivia night. If your goals for this year are likely to lead you to your regrets from last year, that is a very serious sign you need to change your goals. After I look back on my regrets, I look forward, way forward. Research continually supports the idea of zooming out as a way to gain perspective on our lives, whether we're zooming out in a point of view way, like asking ourselves what our best friend or sister would say or think, or zooming out through the years to ask ourselves what really matters in our lives. On New Year's, I like to do what I call my 10-1-0 tactic. First, ask yourself what you want your life to look like in 10 years. Be as granular as possible and really picture the day-to-day. Where are you living? What does your job look like? What about your coworkers? Are you commuting or working from home? What time do you wake up? What do you do in the evening? Do you go out with friends? Do you have a workout class? Do you have dinner at home? Do you read and get cozy? What do your mornings look like? What types of friendships do you have? What's your romantic situation? Do you have kids? What are your hobbies? What's your financial situation? What's making you happy on a regular basis? What gives you a sense of purpose and fulfillment? What new skills have you acquired? How have you grown as a person? If you get stuck trying to picture your own ideal life in 10 years, think about people whose lives seem ideal to you. We often need examples to even let us know what's possible. These can come from your real life, from your friends and acquaintances and family members, and they can also come from social media. You can even ask yourself, what stokes your jealousy? So many psychologists that I've interviewed have said that the best use for jealousy is that it lets us know what we like, what's of interest to us, and it shows us that these things are possible. So noticing what makes you jealous and using that as information can be a really powerful and effective tool. 
Between this and the regret tip, I'm so reminded of what Dr. Susan David, the Harvard psychologist that I had on the podcast episode about having hope when things feel hopeless said, which is that emotions are never bad or good. They're just information and that one of the greatest skills we can develop is that emotional granularity, which is the ability to get specific with our emotions to recognize what they really are. Like not these grand sweeping emotions like stress or anger or sadness, but what's underneath so we can use those emotions to take the actions we need in our lives or to approach our lives differently. Anyway, Think of as much as you can for the 10-year-out ideal life. And don't limit yourself. This is the time for dreaming. This can be a really fun exercise to do with a friend or a partner, and it can lead to some really amazing discussions. And they can support your dreams and call you on your bullshit. They can be like, well, why wouldn't you be able to go after that? What is actually standing in your way? And it's just such a cool and interesting way to get to know the people you love on a more intimate level. But you can also do it by yourself. Just brain dump it all and try, please, please, please try not to be the one to say no to yourself along the way. And then I want you to pick three things from that list. And the reason for this is because when we try to take on too much at once, we get overwhelmed and end up doing nothing at all, which I am so, so guilty of. So pick three things and ask yourself, where would I need to be at the end of this year to get to that 10-year place? This is a different path to one of my favorite tips to adding any new habit into your life, which is to find your why. Far, far too often we try to incorporate habits and goals because we've seen other people do them or we feel like we should do them, which is usually because of who society tells us we are supposed to be. And then the habits don't really resonate and we don't stick to them and we feel like failures. But we are not failures. That is just not how our brain is structured to work. A really common example of this for New Year's is that we tell ourselves that we need to lose weight. This is going to be the year that we lose 10 pounds. So we sign up for the gym, we dive into this whole meal prep plan, and we stick to it for a few months, and then our life goes back to the way that it was before. And that's usually because the why of the 10 pounds in no way resonates with us. The vast, vast majority of the time, if we're trying to lose 10 pounds, it's because we've internalized societal messages. There's those shoulds that I was talking about, about how being smaller gives us more value, about how women should take up the tiniest amount of possible space, both literally and metaphorically. But those messages are grounded in keeping people in a perpetual state of dissatisfaction, largely so we buy more things. That is not a should most of us resonate with. If you ask someone their why for losing 10 pounds, they wouldn't say, because I want to be perpetually dissatisfied and give a bunch of corporations my money. Whereas in 10 years, I want to have kids and I want to be able to play soccer with those kids. Or in 10 years, I want to have hiked to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Both of those are whys that will motivate you far more to stick to getting stronger today. Now, Look at your three goals for the end of this year and break those down into bite-sized goals. One thing you can do either weekly or daily to get there. This is going to make your goal concrete and attainable. Instead of get in shape, the goal becomes move my body until I sweat three times a week. Instead of publish a book, it becomes write 500 words every single day. Instead of make more friends, the bite-sized goal becomes commit to one recurring weekly social activity. Can you see how all of these suddenly become way more likely to happen? 
So the one you're out was the one in the 10-1-0 tactic, and then this is the zero, what you're actually going to do today. So we're looking 10 years out, we're looking one year out, and then we're using that information to figure out what we're going to do right now to get where we want to be. There are some things in life I'm willing to compromise on, but my health and the doctors taking care of my health are not on the list. That means I'm not going back to the doctor with the longest waiting times ever who didn't listen to me just because they took my insurance. I spend so much of my time interviewing the world's best doctors right here on this podcast. It makes my standards incredibly high when I'm looking for new doctors of my own. Instead of compromising, I use ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. Say goodbye to the days of waiting on hold with a receptionist while Vivaldi's Four Seasons plays in the background. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for doctors who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked through ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours, and you can even score same-day appointments. I used a virtual appointment recently to snag some last-minute prescriptions I needed before a trip, and it was so useful. Once you find the doctor you're looking for, you can book immediately right through the app, which saves so much time. I believe wholeheartedly that we all deserve the best possible healthcare, and I'm so thankful that ZocDoc makes it so easy to find. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Liz Moody and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Liz Moody. ZocDoc.com slash Liz Moody. Meal prepping is one of the biggest life hacks. There is nothing more anxiety-reducing than taking a daily concern and turning it into something you think about every few days or even once a week. And if you think meal prepping is hard, I feel you. I'm there with you. And this is going to change your meal prep game. The Caraway Bakeware and Storage Containers. The storage containers are amazing. They're all microwave, oven, and freezer safe. So you can do what I do and store your food in them in the freezer in individual portion sizes. The small one is perfect for one person. And then you transfer that directly to the oven or microwave sans glass lid to reheat it. Kind of like a way healthier freezer meal. They're also completely non-toxic, so you can feel okay about heating them up. If you're listening and you are microwaving in plastic containers, please, please stop. You are transferring harmful chemicals to your food, and then you are eating those chemicals. There are a ton of studies that show that at this point. I also love the glass lids. You can easily peep in and you can see what's in there. And these are also stunning. They come in gorgeous colors. They look beautiful in your cabinet, fridge, and freezer. And that is a hack unto itself because you will want to use these. The bakeware is also amazing. It's made of non-toxic materials and it's completely non-stick, so you don't need to use parchment paper, aluminum foil, any of that. It cooks really evenly. I've tested it with sheet pan veggies and with cookies, and the browning has been unbelievable. I also love the muffin pans because I never have muffin containers around and I'm not down for most muffin pans to touch the food that I eat, but muffin pans are so helpful for meal prep. You can make single serving frittatas, you can portion out soup and freeze it and then pop it in a big storage bag. You can make servings of sauce and freeze them. And again, they are so cute. I would personally start with the baking sheet duo and the muffin pan plus the food storage container set. 
They also just released a stainless steel pan set, which I am very interested in testing. I love cooking with stainless steel. It's actually incredibly nonstick if you use it properly. So I will test that and I will get back to you. All Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like PFAs, PTFE, PFOA, or other chemicals, which I always look for in anything that's touching my food. If you've been wanting to try Caraway products, you are in luck. Visit carawayhome.com slash Liz M to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash Liz M or use code Liz M at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. The second step of doing this, and so many people skip this, is to actually picture any obstacles you might run into trying to implement that goal and how you will overcome that obstacle. Let's say in 10 years, you want to have a job you actually love, and you've decided that to get there by the end of this year, you want to have taken a class to start figuring out what your passions are and building the skill set you need to get a job within those passions. But you know that you get stuck in the figuring out the class phase. You've tried it before, and it just seems really overwhelming, and you never actually get to the commitment. Brainstorm ways to get over that obstacle. Maybe you solicit a friend to take the class with you and you set a deadline together of when to sign up by. Maybe you give yourself a deadline like, I can research this for two hours total and then I need to make a decision. But in general, brainstorming potential obstacles you'll run into and solutions for those obstacles hugely increases your chances of achieving your goals. So that's the figuring out what our goals should be part I would encourage you, even if you don't do anything else, just ask yourself the why behind any goal or habit you want to add in and make sure that why resonates with you. If you do nothing else, do this because it will keep you from bloating your days with habits that aren't moving you toward your dream life and spending a ton of money on stuff you don't need. It's also going to give you some very critical and very needed motivation. You want to eat less sugar? Amazing. Why? You want to meditate? So great. Why? You can even dive into some of the research of what the benefits of these things are if you have a feeling that you want to do something, but you can't yet articulate a concrete why. And then when you're doing it, you have in your mind all of the science, all of these amazing benefits that resonate with your life and your goals, and you're so much more likely to stick to that thing. And then you also have the information to track if it's working. Maybe you're meditating to feel calmer, but you do it for a few months and you don't notice any benefits. Knowing what we want our outcomes to be is vital for knowing if we've achieved those outcomes. You can't know if you've achieved something if you have no idea what you even want to achieve. Okay, so now that you have the desired habits, the desired goals, here are a few of my favorite ways to make those habits stick. We have the identity part we talked about earlier, identifying as a reader, identifying as a strong person, a healthy person, all of those things. Another great James Clear tip and a universal rule of habits is to make the habits you want to have easier and the habits you want to break harder. People always use the example of setting out your gym clothes the night before, and I like that, but I like to take it a step further and pick out the online workout I'm going to do. So all I have to do is roll out of bed and hit play. And on the flip side, a version of making that habit harder is picking a workout class at a time you're not normally awake at a gym that's 20 minutes away. It sounds good. It sounds so impressive, but you're making it so hard to stick to that goal. I believe the vast, vast majority of us need to lower the bar for our habits so that we can experience the win of 
actually sticking to them, and that win can propel us forward. Start small. There is nothing too little. And then once you've consistently stuck to that small thing, level it up a little bit, and then a little bit more. This is so, so key to not getting discouraged and building a habit that actually lasts. Another favorite James Clear tip is habit stacking, which is taking a habit you already have and adding a habit you want to have on top of it. It works because the habit you already have acts as the cue for the habit that you want to have. A ton of the doctors I've interviewed do a micro-workout while their coffee brews in the morning. Like a few of them actually keep weights or kettlebells in the kitchen, and they'll do squats or swings in that five-minute period. It seems weird, and at first I thought it was the craziest coincidence that it kept coming up, but so many of us brew our morning coffee. That is such a huge habit that so many of us are already sticking to daily. So why not use that as an opportunity to link a new habit you want in? And there are so many benefits to micro-workouts, especially in the morning. That blood flow is going to help your brain get going. It's going to help you feel more awake, all of that. So look at the habits you already have in your life and see where there are opportunities to stack in your new habits. Creating visual cues in your environment is also a really powerful way to stick to habits. There was a study that showed the biggest predictor of whether someone would compost is if they had a visible compost bin in their kitchen, easily and readily accessible. Seeing it out all the time is a reminder to compost, and it makes it easy, which goes back to what we were just talking about. Make the habits you want easy and the ones that you don't want hard. Make the food that you want to eat visible and easy to eat. Prep it. Make it ready to grab and go. And make the food you don't want to eat as much less accessible. Those visible cues also go back to the identity bit. If every time you walk into your kitchen, you see a compost bin, you're reinforcing this idea of yourself as an eco-conscious person, a person who cares about the environment. If you see weights every time you walk into your kitchen, you're reinforcing your identity as a person who cares about fitness. If you see vegetables every time you open your fridge, you're reinforcing your identity as a person who cares about health. This is such a powerful way of building and sticking to habits. So look at your list of the three things and see if there are ways to make those habits easily accessible and to create visual cues that remind you to partake in those habits. I also do want to say this does not need to be serious and in no way should this feel like a punishment. Wellness is a tool, not an end unto itself. The second wellness is making your life worse, it is no longer wellness. These habits should either be stacking up to larger things that make your life better that you have readily identified, that you have found your deeply resonant why for, or they should be making your life better in the moment. One of my goals this year is to bring more of a sense of community into my life, and I've set up standing work dates with friends. I have joined a book club. I've done all of these things that don't feel at all like chores, but rather life shifts I'm really excited about. I do think if you're looking down the pipeline and it all feels insurmountably hard, it all feels awful, either shift your goals or if you're positive those are the goals you want that speak to you the most, make the bite-sized goals way, way smaller so they become more fun and less intimidating. You can also temptation bundle, which is another Katie Melkman tip and one of my favorites in my book. It just means combining something you hate doing with something you love, like saving your favorite podcast for only when you go on runs or while you meal prep. 
It's finding something enjoyable to tie to the thing you truly want to do but find less enjoyable so that you associate the two and you begin to look forward to doing that less enjoyable thing. I love this because it works. It's the only way I can get myself to fold laundry is by watching Real Housewives of New York, but also because it prioritizes our pleasure. Life isn't meant to feel like a slog. Life is meant to be enjoyed. These new habits aren't meant to make your life feel like more of a punishment. They're meant to get you closer to a life that feels as good as possible every single day. So please, please don't lose sight of that. The last thing I want to touch on is making an action board, which I learned about from Dr. Tara Swart-Bieber. This is like a vision board, but you associate the things on the vision board with actions, with some hows and steps for getting there. I love doing this at the end of every year. I go through Pinterest and various online sites, and I download a bunch of photos and text that inspires me, and I make a collage on Instagram stories, and I download that as an image, and I set that as the background of my phone. You can do it with the 10-year dreams from your list and with the one-year dreams and also the bite-sized goals with the 10, the 1, and the 0, but seeing it every day primes your brain to be on the lookout for opportunities to make those dreams come true in your everyday life via a neuroscientific process called selective attention. That episode came out in December of last year, and I will link it in the show notes. And since then, I have heard from so many of you who've made action boards and had so many of the things on those boards come true. Literally, babies have been born, trips have been taken, engagements have happened, dream partners have been met, dream jobs acquired. The stories are wild. And I just love having it as my phone background because I look at my phone far too often throughout the day. So I love turning that into a positive thing. I hope this was helpful. I'm so excited for this year for all of us. And I also do think it's important to say just because the new year is a great time to identify and go after your goals, it is by no means the only time. If you're feeling too much pressure right now, skip it. Do it in February or March or September. There's no bad time to begin making the micro-adjustments to steer you in the direction of your dream life. And every single micro-adjustment makes a huge difference in your destination. If all of this feels like a lot, pick one thing, one bite-sized habit that lines up with a solid, resonant why that moves you toward an identity you want. Add a visual cue in for that habit. Make it easy. This does not have to be a big life shift. In fact, those small changes are far more likely to stick, and something having longevity is its single greatest predictor of success in terms of actually changing your life. I also want to say that you deserve to live a life that feels good. There have been so many times in my life where I didn't feel that way, where I didn't like myself enough to feel worthy of doing the things that made me feel good. And if that's you, I want to say to you that you are worthy inherently just for being the person that you are and that you can let the habits come first. Just do the things the person you want to be would do, even if you don't think that life is an option for you. We often want the mindset to lead the habits, but doing the habits can be the thing that shifts our mindset. So the identity doesn't resonate yet. Whatever. That's fine. Do the thing anyway. 
I will put links to all of the episodes I mentioned in the show notes. And we have a New Year's playlist on Spotify with episodes to help you achieve any goals you might want to go after this time of year. We have a series about the health impacts of alcohol and then how to overcome the hurdles that come with drinking less. We have fitness episodes with a celebrity personal trainer. We have episodes about eating in a way that makes you feel good. We have episodes about self-love, all of those types of things. So I will link that in the show notes as well. If you found this episode helpful, I would so appreciate if you would write a quick rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I know I said that many of my goals revolve around working less, but the part of my job that doesn't burn me out, that lights me up, is this podcast. And a huge goal of mine in 2024 is to have it reach as many people as possible. And ratings and reviews are one of the best ways to do that. So if you just take a quick second to just say a line or two about why you love the podcast, I would massively appreciate it. And if there's anyone in your life whom you think would benefit from the information I shared here, please send them a link to this episode. This is 100% how the podcast has grown as big as it has because of all of you sharing episodes with the people you love in your life. And then you get someone to talk about episodes with, so it's a win-win. If someone shared a link with you and you are new to the podcast, welcome. I am so glad that you're here. Make sure that you're following on whatever platform you like to listen on. All you have to do is go to the main podcast page. That's the one that lists all of Liz Moody Podcast episodes, and you'll see the word follow under the logo on Spotify, and then there's a little follow with a plus sign button on the top right of that same page on Apple Podcasts. This way, you will not miss out on any new episodes. They will appear right in your feed every single Wednesday. And we have so many amazing episodes already queued up for 2024, episodes about narcissists, about how to fight better, about how to beat cravings, about women's hormones. We have some really fun celebrity guests, just so much good stuff. This is going to be the best year on the pod ever, so make sure that you're following so you do not miss out. Also, I would be remiss not to mention that no matter what your goals are for this year, my book probably has science that can help you achieve them. This is the perfect book for January and beyond. It can actually serve as one of those visual cues we talked about. You can leave it out on your coffee table or your nightstand and flip through it and read a tip. They take five minutes or so to read each. And you can get inspired and be motivated to stick to the changes that you want to make in life and reinforced about that identity of being the person that you want to be. There are 18 sections ranging from physical and mental health to relationships to success. So we truly have something for any dream life that you're trying to create. You can go to 100waystochangeyourlife.com to grab your copy. Or I am so, so proud and excited to announce that it's now stocked in Target's in-store in Target's across the country. This is a huge deal. Target only stocks the tiniest amount of books. They are so selective. And they chose 100 Ways to Change Your Life, which is amazing. So you can get it there now too. Okay, I love you. And I will see you next Wednesday for the next episode of the Liz Moody Podcast. It takes a lot for a health supplement company to wow me, but Symbiotica really breaks the mold. If you haven't discovered them yet, they make really different products than any other supplement company I've seen before. They have a lot, so I highly recommend that you check out their website and take their quiz to find out what's best for your specific goals, but I wanted to call out a few of my personal favorites. First of all, the topical magnesium. 
You all know I love magnesium and I've always wanted a topical spray that wasn't sticky, that felt good and luxurious to use, and that actually let the magnesium absorb into my body, which requires DMSO as an ingredient, which I have actually never seen in any other product. If you have achy muscles or sore feet, this is literal heaven, and I also love it before bed to help with sleep. And then I have become increasingly interested in minerals. We talk a lot about vitamins, but adequate minerals are so key for energy. And unfortunately, it's become harder to get adequate minerals because our soil is so depleted of them. The Symbiotica Shilajit supplement is one of the best mineral supplements that I've found. And the research around Shilajit is profound. There's robust human and animal research that shows it acts on ATP in a way that significantly helps restore and create energy, which is one of the biggest things that I love it for as a low-caffeine consumer. There's also robust research around its anti-inflammatory properties, its brain-protective properties, and more. I think of it more as a whole food than a supplement. It's a naturally occurring resin, and I just mix a little bit of it into my afternoon tea or my decaf coffee drinks. And like all Symbiotica products, there are no additives, fillers, toxins, or artificial flavors. Of course, I have a special discount for you. You can use code LizMoody to get 15% off plus free shipping on subscription orders. Again, that's code LizMoody for 15% off on symbiotica.com.